Guardian Unlimited. Six Nations Rugby with Ian Payne. Well, hello once again. This is Ian Payne and welcome to the Six Nations show on Guardian Unlimited. Yes, in a shock as big as England getting to the Rugby World Cup final, the powers that be at the Guardian have invited us back to ruck and maul our way through the Six Nations, would you believe? Now, this is the tournament which, of course, reminds us that despite the European Union, the Channel Tunnel, the Euro, shared values, the Eurovision Song Contest and everything else that bonds us all together in perfect harmony, we do, in fact, all hate each other. So what better way to express our tribalism than to take 30 strapping men stirred by patriotic anthems and feverish supporters and let them battle it out in some of the great cities of Western Europe, all for our entertainment. It's like the circus and the Colosseum all in one. Now, over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be asking the very important questions. One, how did a Tongan who played for New Zealand at Rugby League end up in the England Rugby Union squad? Is the Scottish coach, Frank Haddon, related to Morrissey? Have a look at them side by side. Separated at birth. Are there any Welsh players who don't play for the Ospreys? And how is it that Ian Bolshaw is still only 28? And as always, we'd like to hear from you. All you have to do is uh, go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport and uh, you'll be able to get through. Right, okay, off we go. Each week, the Six Nations show is going to be guided by me, Ian Payne, but really I'm going to be joined by the finest writers from The Guardian, Guardian Unlimited and The Observer, plus players past and present from the world of rugby union. Uh, Let me introduce our guests for our first show, as it were, uh, on today's programme, a man who, according to Wikipedia, so it's obviously true, Captain Wales six times, has the middle name Thomas and, quote, lives quietly in deepest Monmouthshire, the Observer's rugby correspondent, Eddie Butler. How are you, Eddie? Uh, I'm very well, thanks, Ian, yes. And is all that correct? Yeah, quietly might not be right. And is it deep Monmouthshire? Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, okay. deep. How is deep Monmouthshire today? Is it? Uh, Next, someone who legend has it made a few quid from the bookies during the Rugby World Cup. So hopefully she'll give us all some tips as we go through this. Six Nations from The Guardian writer Claire Tolley. How are you, Claire? I'm very well. I don't think I made quite as much money as I would have hoped for her. But you definitely finished in the the black, not the red. Just about. Did you? Yeah. Okay. You didn't back against England, did you? Oh, I can't admit that, can I? No, you can't. (laughs) Uh, And finally, the man who loves blogging which is something you do on the web rather than in a car park. It's uh, Guardian Unlimited's writer, Andy Bull. Andy, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I have been known to do it in car parks. Have as you? Well. What, on your laptop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Painful. Also, later, we're going to be talking to the former England hooker, Steve Thompson, and we're going to find out more about Leslie Vinacolo from the Guardian's rugby league writer, Andy Wilson, who can't believe the uh, fact that England might have to use this man so quickly. One thing I'm sure we already know is that uh, when he was growing up, none of the kids took the mickey out of him for being called Leslie. Let's start with uh, the game at Twickenham on Saturday. It's a 4.30 start and have a look at two of the home nations, England and Wales. Lots to talk about. Eddie, um, it's a fascinating world, isn't it? The world of Warren Gatland. What have you made of his lineup? 13 Ospreys. Very unusual, isn't it? Uh, you know, you have to go back pre-war to, or is it just just post-war? Cardiff, forty-eight, was it? To get uh, a club having selections in double figures like that, remarkable, you know, considering that um, there's a professional game in Wales and there are quite a few other professionals on the books. So I think it just goes to show that Cardiff's the Cardiff Blues run in Europe is actually based around their Kiwi contingent, and uh, 
just the, the Welshmen who are, are playing well tend to be here out of Swansea. So do we, do we take it from that then, that Warren Gatland has a carte blanche to do whatever he likes? Because in the past, the politics of Welsh rugby has almost dictated to the coach that you've got to pick certain people from certain areas, otherwise they all get a bit disgruntled. Um, yes, is a simple answer, Ian. Yeah, you know, that um, foreign coaches come in or overseas coaches come in and, and, they, and they do have licence to do things that, that a Welsh coach couldn't do. And, and you're right, you know, the, the, the political influences from within are extremely difficult for a native Welshman. Mm. Eddie, are you worried that you're going to have a repeat of like the Ron Waldron experiment from um, you know when he picked all of the Neath sides and it's going to end up being a bit of a disaster again? No, I think this is a different beast altogether. But in, in a way, Ron Waldron, um, his vision of what Wales should do was a bit like what Wales have been trying to do for the last few years with a lightweight pack and trying to play a, a flittish type rugby game of adventure, high risk. But Gatlin's come in and he said, right, we, we must have a solid base. You can forget everything else until we get the basics right. We're not doing anything. And so it, in a way, it, it's the direct opposite of Ron Waldron. Andy, I suppose you could look at the same experiment that Gatlin carried out when he first of all took the Irish job on and he looked at all the players and said, well, I'd like to pick the Munster side but I can't for all political reasons. And then eventually he said, well, damn it, I'm going to do it. And they were more successful. I suppose he's, he's learned his lesson, hasn't he? Yeah, he's certainly said that much this week in his press conferences, hasn't he? Um, learning mistakes that he made when he was in charge of Ireland. But uh, the main advantage of picking all these players from the same team is going to be how quickly they've got a cohesive unit together, obviously. And um, given the, the brevity of the amount of time he's been in charge... That's you know quite a clever way of going about getting that cohesiveness. Eddie, I gather um, training has been uh, a little bit more physical, shall we say, and the bruises are still there than it has been in the past. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no doubt that um, it, it's, it's almost on public record that, that Wales at the World Cup simply said through a group of senior players, no, we're not going to do any contact work in training. We don't really like doing scrummaging against live opposition. Now, there, there was too much of an influence of the senior players in the Welsh camp, and uh, Warren Gatlin has come along and said, right, the one thing we're going to have is <laughs> plenty of contact. And the best thing is that the players have responded by, um, yeah, scrapping it out, basically, which is good. We like all that. Did, did they do that in your day, or was yes, it night? Did yes, they? Yes, did yes. they fight in training? They didn't, didn't mean to say in that we played any better, but we certainly <laughs> liked the scrap in training. <laughs> um, there's an Englishman on board, traitor. Uh, Andy, what do you make of Sean Edwards bringing out uh, a bit of mental and physical strength from the, the Welsh people this time? Yeah, I think it's a pretty terrifying prospect there, isn't it? I mean, thank God he's not been there that long, but... Uh, I don't think there's a single person in English rugby who doesn't rate Sean Edwards incredibly highly. Apart from the English hierarchy. Apparently so. You can only say, fingers crossed, he's going to be coming back in two, three years' time to work in the England setup. But right now, it's just a huge oversight, obviously. Claire, why do you feel he's gone to Wales? Do you feel he's slightly disgruntled with the English hierarchy? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, he was there, he was primed for a role in the England setup. You know, I mean, come on, coaching the England Saxons, he's better than that. He knew he was better than that, and England have lost him, and it's their own fault. Mm, well, we hope to get him on in the later weeks, of course. He does write for The Guardian. What will he bring to the uh, Welsh side, Eddie? Oh, I think his, uh, his role is very much more than just the defence coach. Uh, Wasps have this, this so-called blitz defence, um, but I don't think he'll be able to get Wales doing that straight away. It does take time to, to perfect. I think his role is, is, is he, he brings mental strength to a fragile camp. You know, that for all this talk about, about player power, that, that the whole structure 
of the Welsh camp over two years has been built on, on no real authority and guidance from above. And so the players, not, not surprisingly, have sort of had to stick together and make decisions for themselves. And so what, what Sean Edwards is, is going to do, he's going to come in and he's going to, he's going to make sure the group gets a new solidarity that coaches and, and the team all stick very much together and that they firmly believe that anything is now possible again. Uh, and I think, really, Warren Gatlin and Sean Edwards will be very good at sorting all that out and that there will be no lack of awareness on the training field what is expected. There will be no sense of mutiny among the players that, no, we don't want to do that. You know, they are just jumping to, um, to, to take instruction and to be given this guidance. There is a new sense of cooperation. Does that mean that they're going to win the line-out, this um, Six Nations? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, the line-out falls very much into the... Uh, the group of basics that Warren Gatland coaches ever so well. You know, he went back to New Zealand and sorted out the basics at Waikato, and everybody said, ah, oh, you can't, you may be good at the basics, but you won't win anything in New Zealand. And the following season, they won the, uh, the New Air New Zealand Cup. Okay, I've got one more subject on Wales before we uh, move on to England and introduce some guests, uh, some other guests. Um, Gavin Henson, the Enigma. Are we going to see the best of him, Andy? Well, he's like an you say, he's an enigma, so making yeah. that kind of prediction, who knows? But uh, let's hope so, because going back to 2005, he was just one of the most exciting players in the whole championship. It'd be brilliant if we could see that again. Yeah. Do you think, Eddie, final point, do you think that uh, Gavin Henson will will show his true colours this tournament? Yeah, I think he, he, he sums up perfectly the, 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 the indecision, the, the lack of guidance throughout the Welsh camp over the past few years. And, uh, and, if, and if, if Warren Gatman can get Gavin Henson playing well, then everybody will be playing well. He is, he's a very, very talented rugby player. And, um, and, it, and, and I actually don't think he's that difficult to manage, but uh, he has to be shown guidance. Right, that's uh, Wales. Their opponents, of course, at Twickenham. 4.30 kickoff on Saturday are England. And um, what sort of expectations will they have after the Rugby World Cup when even by their standards, they were surprised to get to the final. Brian Ashton obviously kept his job and he's definitely put his stamp on both his squad and his starting lineup. Ian Bolshaw returns again. Uh, Tate misses out. Uh, Tyndall plays. Are England going to miss, though, the likes of Robinson, Delalio and Corrie? And what about the forwards? And who better to talk about that than the former England hooker, Steve Thompson, who's now playing at Breve in France? How are you, Steve? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Uh, we're all very well here. Nice to uh, get us all together again. I'm amazed they've decided to uh, continue this, but uh, we'll take the uh, money and run. But uh, <laughs> what, what do you think of England after the World Cup final? Um, we were all surprised they got there. They changed their style. Um, having read Mike Catt's book and Lawrence Delalio's book, it seemed like there was a, a semi-mutiny. Um, and Brian Ashton's still in charge. What are you to make of this England team? Um, well, I've looked in, you know, obviously I've heard quite a few things from players and I, from from the World Cup, and I think a lot of camps have that, though. I know they say it's a mutiny, and things like, but when we were at the World Cup before, we had a senior player group that really run most things. You know, you had Clive that was there, but really when it came to the big decisions, really, the players were there and they were making decisions. So I think a lot was made of that, really, just to perhaps sell books and you know, try and undermine them. And, but, they were, but, know, they, but it sounds like the players this time were making decisions directly opposed to the coach and actually saying, come on, coach, give us some direction. Yeah, I think when, you know, when you see that Ashton, Ashton is very much one, you know, he's got some great ideas and he's, he is a, a very good coach. Um, and I think he was just learning as well as, as being a head coach. And I think a lot of people have learned a lot from, from that World Cup. And luckily, you know, when you look at it, it was a success. We didn't retain the World Cup, but for us to get to the final, I thought was brilliant. Um, 
And, you know, a lot of people learn from that. And, you know, the players that he's brought in now and the players he's stuck with, you know, he's definitely got a bit of loyalty there. I think, think he showed some loyalty throughout the World Cup. Uh, he's done that in the Six Nations, but also he's brought in some fresh faces and, and players that are, you know, looking looking on top form, really. Yeah, he's obviously pleased with the front five because, uh, you know, as far as the World Cup's concerned, little change at all there. No, yeah, it surprised me. I must admit, I, I perhaps would have gone with uh, Mirzi, Lee Mears at Hooker. Um, I think he's having a, a great season. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. Um, and, you know, I think he's probably the informed hooker at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve, I was just wondering, Lee Mears and Mark Reagan, they're both very different types of hookers, aren't they? Could you just sort of tell me a bit about, you know, what it's like to play against either of them and compare their two styles? Um, well, Mark, Mark Regan's obviously getting a bit old and he chirps a lot. And <laughs> for me, for me, you know, he's, they, they talk about his scrummaging's, you know, better than the others and that. But Mears, he's a, a great technician. Um, you know, the lineup works well. You know, he's he's a good scrummager. He's not he's not an awesome scrummager, but he's he's a good scrummager. And when you have got good props around him, he's yeah. gonna be good. But around the park, he's a little dynamo. You know, he's a little pocket of energy, and you see him, and you know, and for me, I, I think he, he he's he's someone that should have been given a go. Perhaps the only one um, that in in all the sort of positions really that I think. Yeah, you know, obviously it's the position I play, and I, I think that perhaps in the Six Nations they say they don't want to try things, but I don't. I think he's been tried and he's, you know, he's tested, and perhaps you, say, you know he's in form and he's he's playing well. Steve, you say Regan's a bit ch- chirpy. What does he say? What's he talking about? Is he sledging? Well, I don't think he knows what he's saying half the time. Bless him. <laughs> uh, no, but he's good. You see him. He tries. Everyone makes a big. Oh, look at him. He's brilliant. He winds up the opposition, but it's a professional game now, and I think people just tend to, you know, get on with it a bit more now and you know, he does he does get into the opposition a bit and that and um you know, he, his basics basics are good, but I think around the park I think Lee Mears probably offers that, that little bit more. Eddie, what about uh, some of the new players, particularly Luke Narraway, who's uh, come in at number eight. Is that a surprise for you? For a moment I thought you were gonna ask me about front row play there, no, you know? no, no. <laughs> well, stick to stick to the back row which you know all about. Yeah, I think I think it's very interesting. Um I think this is the one area that has been affected by injury. Um, you know, I think Brian Ashton would have gone with Nick Easter had he been fully fit. Uh, I think he might have gone with Tom Croft had he, had he been fit, and, and that would have, you know, that, that would have been two thirds of the back row different on starting day. Um, I think Luke Narraway is a form player of the season, and he's come from absolutely nowhere. You know, he could hardly get into the Gloucester 22 last season, and here he is in the full England side. So it's a remarkable breakthrough. And uh, you know, early in the season, he certainly changed his game and became far more abrasive and started taking people on and making ground. And, and that's, that's very important. It'll be interesting to see if the balance is right, though. Hmm. Um, Danny Cipriani, do you think, um, Steve, do you think he was close to getting in or was Johnny Wilkinson an absolute cert for you? I think uh, there's been a lot. To, I think uh, Johnny was a cert for the beginning of the tournament. Um, I think they're saying to, I think they'll look to bring him off the bench perhaps and, and give him a bit of exposure and hopefully you know you know I'm not saying that we're going to get a lot of points up but hopefully we can and that's what the coach was hoping that we have a great start and then suddenly bring him on and, and just you know ease him into it rather than just starting him because um, I think Johnny's you know everyone knows Johnny's, Johnny's a, a very good steady player you know he's very good and and then suddenly you bring someone like Seperani who can perhaps when people are a little bit tired he can start running the game a bit and open up a few more gaps. Um, you, Luke Narraway, as we were talking about there, Steve, is uh, obviously going to make his debut on Saturday. Can you remember your debut? What will it be like for him? What was it like for you? I was more worried about having to sing the song afterwards for your first cap, <laughs> if I'm honest, learning the words for that. What do you um, have to sing? So what do you have to do? 
Oh, it's quite. It, it just won the bus on the way back. You have to sing a sing a song in front of everyone, which is quite nerve wracking for me, to be honest. A, I was quite lucky. I was playing Scotland and um, away, and a lot of the Scottish team were playing at Northampton at the time. And I remember Matty Stewart, uh, Stewart is a good friend of mine. He's also one of my housemates at the time. And I was thinking to myself, God, if he can play international rugby, anyone can. So, uh, <laughs> that's what I kept telling myself. And uh, so. You know, I, it was it was quite relaxing to have him and Budge pounding out on the opposition and thinking, well, I'll play him week in, week out with these fellas, so I'm sure I can do it sort of thing. And, and do you, with that song that you have to, to sing on the bus, is it a song of your choice or is it... Yeah, song, song of your choice. What did so, you choose? Uh, you Never Close Your Eyes Anymore, which was horrendous, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> and is there a forfeit if, you, if you're particularly bad? No, you just get shouted at and sworn at and stuff chucked <laughs> at you and that really, so... <laughs> so uh, they can hardly hear the words anyway. Eddie, is there a uh, Welsh version of uh, a debutante? Is there an initiation ceremony for a Welshman? Oh, God, I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> what did they do in Dickens' time? Yeah. Uh, I think in his day they were probably too drunk afterwards within a couple of hours in <laughs> the first. First cap. Yeah, well, I was listening to, uh, to <laughs> I was reading rather Lawrence Delalio's book, and he was talking about the fact that he everyone has to buy him a drink, and they were buying him like you know half pints of creme de menthe, and uh, finishing him off. He was absolutely you know full glasses of tequila. Uh, prediction, Steve. What do you think? Uh, who's going to win, and what kind of margin of victory? Um, I think England are going to win by. I think the bench is too strong. I think when they when the players they've got on the bench, I think they've got you know the, the the bench to come on. I think that will make a real real difference. So I've got a twenty point margin. I think for England. Off. Yeah, I think Wales will rebuild, and I think they're going to be good under Gatland. But I just think it might be a bit too soon. Would you like to sing your song for us? No, no, once <laughs> once, once only. <laughs> a once in a lifetime experience. Steve, thanks very much for coming on. Appreciate no your time. Much for me. Thanks no, a lot. Thank you for having me. Okay. Uh, that's Steve Thompson, who's the uh, former World Cup winning England hooker, now playing at Breve in France. And we're all pleased that he is actually playing again after that serious neck injury. Right. Um, Andy, we'll just have a look at some of the um, blogs, seeing as this is your specialist field, isn't it? Yeah, it's a particular speciality of mine. Okay. I get abused on them, yeah. You get abused? Yeah, quite, quite often. Do yeah. you? Well, because you're opinionated. Uh, yeah, as are the bloggers. All right. Who do you think, <laughs> well, who do you think is going to win? England by 10. And the uh, Six Nations? England. Okay. Um, Owley Ross responding to Andy Bull's column on the England lineup. What, what did you say? Did you say something particularly controversial? Well, not especially. I was really wondering why everyone hates Ian Balshaw. Because everyone does hate Ian Balshaw. Do they? Yes, they mm. really do. Any theories on that, Eddie? Uh, I suppose that the, the, the image is of Ian Balshaw limping off rather than him doing anything. Very exciting. I mean, he's been injured so often that you sort of just get a bit frustrated, I suppose. But I saw, I saw him play last uh, last Saturday. I, I, I thought he looked um, back in enthusiastic Nick. Yeah, well, even Warren Gatland had a pop, didn't he, this it, week? He well, that's, I think that's all part of the game, isn't it? I think Warren Gatland has brought a new, a new edginess to it. I think he's going to be good value in the build-up to uh, test, week, mm. test weekends. I think it's great. All adds to the fun. Uh, and I caught it has to it has to be pointed out that Ian Bolshaw is playing because Matthew Tate in one club game played himself out of contention. Yes, absolutely. This is the uh, blog then from Ali Ross responding to Andy's column. He says uh, my particular Bolshaw memory was from the Autumn Internationals 2004-2005 when team after team after team were running in tries against us. You'd expect your fullback to get at least slightly muddy trying to last ditch tackle all and sundry, but no, and hence 
old clean shirt was born, not arguing with the fact that in 2001 he looked a bit special, but why is he there right now? Arsh from Hull says, well, I'll back Bolshaw. I always like an underdog and have never liked bullies. Oh, how we love to knock people down and create stereotypes. The criticism bandwagon is excessive, overly personal, and comes loaded with ungentlemanly bile. Uh, obviously, he doesn't fit the mould of some old-school rugger-buggers. Uh, if you do want to uh, get on the blogs, you can go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. That's blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. We talked about the strength of the England bench. It is going to be fascinating if, and presumably when, uh, he comes on, what Leslie Varnicolo is going to do on his England debut. He, of course, scored five tries on his debut for Gloucester when he moved from Rugby League to Rugby Union. Everyone looking forward to seeing him playing. Uh, let me introduce Andy Wilson, who's the Guardian's Rugby League writer. How are you, Andy? Very well, thanks, Ian. Are you? Um, very well, thanks. What, uh, what do you make of the fact that uh, England are ready to throw Varnicolo on so soon in his career? Well, I'm... I'm Viewing this from from some distance, obviously, and uh, not following him that closely, but I'm, I'm staggered. I mean, I my understanding is that England have more a, a bigger playing base than any other rugby country in the world, uh, and they have to pick a, a 28 year old tongue and with two dodgy knees after 10 games of rugby, rugby union. So it's it's a source of some amusement, I think, in rugby league really that it can happen. Isn't he the isn't he the sort of specialist player that you bring on when you need something different? I mean, to score five tries on your debut suggests that you're not normal. You're, you're above average. Oh, he's, he's a great player, in, but he's, he's Tongan. I, I don't really <laughs> oh, understand I how he can play for England. You know, I mean, I know Henry Paul did, but well, he had a little probably in grandparent. You know, it's it's just so confusing to me. Well, it's residency, isn't it? I mean, so many you know Polynesian players play for New Zealand, and you get South Sea Islanders, and I mean, it's just the way of the world, isn't it? Mike Cat playing for England, um, Alan Lamb playing cricket for England. But they but they served a bit of time, didn't they? I mean, this bloke's played. Nine games of English rugby union, or is it ten games now? Mm. Um, you know, this, this is that's that's my only. Uh, it just staggers me. You know, if, if I was a, a Twickenham person who who goes to watch the game, you, you go and watch, and here comes a tongue. And I mean, what does international sport mean when you you just get to a stage where, basically, it's 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 a good commercial deal, isn't it, for Vanicola? You know, it was a, it was a good deal for him commercially to go to Union in the first place, um, and now he had the opportunity to play for Tonga in the World Cup, um, but I think his agent was a very shrewd bloke and said, no, you're better off playing for England. And, and here he is. So that, that's international sport, I guess. It's interesting, Andy. I saw um, Vinicolo in the game after, um, he, after his debut when um, Gloucester played Saracens. And I think he'll be fine on Saturday, so long as he's got the ball and he's running at everybody else. If somebody's running at him, I've got no idea what's going to happen because he didn't have a clue what he was doing. No. I know he's obviously like he's had a few more games now, but... You know, I would be seriously concerned if Wales are winning ball and they're getting it out to the wings and, you know, you've got that Ospreys attack going at Vinicolo. But he must tackle in rugby league. I mean, one of the one of the central points of rugby league is being able to tackle, isn't it? Yeah, but he's got to be there in the right place at the right time. He wasn't put... anywhere near who he was supposed to be tackling. Yeah, I mean, you know, th there's nothing wrong with his one-on-one -on -one defence, but, it, but it's a different game, obviously, and, you know, that's... That, that's that's their problem, really. It's a, it's a, a matter of, of indifference for us in rugby league. We're not too bothered. But <laughs> but it, it's the thing that got me with my very limited knowledge covering the covering his debut at Leeds way back when it was in, in September or maybe a bit later um, was that I mean, speaking of Dean Ryan afterwards, who I'd never met before, very impressive bloke I thought, and and he was saying that that Vinicolo it it was his his technical stuff that was so impressive. He, a lot of those five tries, at least three of them were walk-ins really, but. 
he, he was very good at the recycling business immediately, which is what I know caused Jason Robinson so many problems in the first place. So I think Van Ekola played a little bit of union as a kid back in, in South Auckland before he, he went to league at sort of 13, 14-year-old. So he does have some technical knowledge, you know, that all the all the business when you can't see the ball in rugby union, but, but he... He, I'm sure Claire's right that he, he's not great at, at, at the you know defensive stuff, and again that's why it's such a gamble. I just that, that's just the point I get. I mean I, I read so much about England Premiership producing loads of players, uh, and then they have to whistle up a, a Tongan from rugby league to to play Wales. It, it just where, where do you me. read all this stuff about England producing loads of players, Andy? Oh, the, I, the English the, the Guinness Premiership is awash with overseas players. It's, it's been a, a huge debate about you know uh, who who would play number ten. And then all of a sudden, from having nobody apart from Charlie Hodgson underneath Johnny Wilkinson, suddenly now there are five or six golden youngsters coming through. That, that's so what it, I mean. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I thought it was a lot of kids at Gloucester, and you know, the, the, I, you seem to read a lot of things during the World Cup about golden generations and things like that. You know, is, is Van Ekeler just a very much a, a quick fix for a couple of years until somebody better comes along? Andy, thank you very much for uh, coming on and uh, chatting to us today. Enjoy your weekend. OK, <laughs> we will. <laughs> I don't know if Andy will be watching. It doesn't sound like he will. Uh, Andy Wilson, The Guardian's uh, rugby league writer. Six Nations Rugby with Ian Payne on guardian.co.uk. Uh, you're listening to the uh, Six Nations show. It's our podcast with myself, Ian Payne. Our guests are the Observer's rugby correspondent, Eddie Butler, Guardian writer, Claire Tolley, and the Guardian Unlimited website writer, Andy Bull. Let's have a look at some of the other games this weekend. Um, the other game on uh, Saturday, before the England game, is Ireland against Italy. Triple Crown winners, Ireland in 2007, but so disappointing at the Rugby World Cup. Um, Eddie, I was reading Thomas Castagnier's article the other day and he was saying that uh, he felt the Irish were the favourites for the Six Nations. What do you think? Well, I had them, I got them down to win it, yeah, on, on Sunday. Uh, I think they're very good Six Nations rugby players and I think the World Cup does bring its own unique set of playing conditions and Ireland got them completely wrong in France. They concentrated a lot on, on physical work when everybody else was starting to play games and then they found themselves a bit isolated from everybody in France and then there was talk of a bit of in-camp fractiousness but whatever it was they just got it completely wrong on the playing side and, and that makes them doubly determined now to put it right in the arena which they know ever so well and I think they will do very well and, and they couldn't have a better opener because I think Italy will struggle I just don't think they've got any experience at halfbacks and uh, you know Nick Mallet will bring a certain discipline and a, and a new uh, philosophy to Italian rugby, but it takes time and you can't expect a new coach to have an influence overnight. They just don't have the players either, do they, unfortunately? You well, know, they'll have a good pack. Yeah, they do, but then we always say that. Well, and that's then... England. <laughs> you got to the World Cup final. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that you don't need a good pack. But Italy uh, haven't got a Johnny, you see, that's what they need. Isn't he trying to convert um, Andrea Massi to um, fly half? And, you know, you just think, well, where are the points going to come from? Well, but it worked with Stephen Larkin, of course, and, but it, it, it takes time. You know, you can't expect Marzi to go into Crow Park and uh, set the place alight. But Mallet's consciously chosen not to pick some of his more experienced halfbacks, hasn't he? That's the curious thing. Paul Griffin's not in the squad. Roland de Marigny's not in the squad. Ramiro um, Perez, yeah. Just because they haven't, they haven't cut the mustard. 
Um, there's a statistic here. Uh, Ireland have won 29 out of 40 of their matches since it became the six nations rather than the five nations. Only France have won more, but France have gone on to take the title four times, and Ireland haven't won since 1985. Um, have they missed their chance? What do you think, Andy? Yeah, well, if they're going to do it, it's got to be this year, hasn't it? I'm not sure I quite buy into this bouncing back from the World Cup business, to be honest. I think Ireland have got the same basic problems they had then, which is what they've got no cover for their first 15. So as soon as you see injuries come in, they're going to start struggling. Mm. Um, and it's essentially the same team as the World Cup team, isn't it? Absolutely. So yeah. why should we expect anything different? And there's huge pressure on Eddie O'Sullivan. We've got these managerial appointments to come in perhaps after the tournament's over. His authority is clearly being undermined, and he's very much seems to me being told, prove yourself now or you're gone. Mm. It's also the same team that uh, lost the championship title on points difference to France last year. So, you know, not that much has changed from last year's Six Nations, which means they could still be a force there. They've got to go there, haven't they? They've got to go to Twickenham. They've got to go to Paris. Where they win. Mm. Not to Paris. Well, Twickenham, yeah, Twickenham, they love they, playing at Twickenham. Yeah, they have done well, haven't they, in the recent years. But you're sticking to your guns, are you, Eddie? You think Ireland are, your, are the favourites for you? Never give any in. <laughs> <laughs> Never yield a point. <laughs> Never yield a point. OK, Ireland against Italy. Um, everyone thinks Ireland will win that, do we? Yeah. Yeah. OK. The other game, of course, is on Sunday. Scotland against France. France and the whole French nation so disappointed of how that turned out, of course, in the uh, World Cup. Andy, do you feel France will have learnt from the World Cup? Do you, do you expect them to be one of the strongest nations in the Six Nations, as always? I've got absolutely no idea what to expect from France. Oh. Right now, I'm totally baffled by them. They're almost entirely an unknown quantity to me because the, the new coach, the new players coming in, there's so much that's new and fresh about them. I don't think we know what to expect. We've got so used to seeing them play a certain way under Laporte. Now they're going to have to evolve a new style. What's that going to be? Maybe Eddie can tell me. Maybe Claire can tell me. Eddie, can you tell Andy what uh, style the French will play in? Well, they say that uh, Lievremont likes a uh, running game. He wants players who can run and run for 80 minutes in, and not just chasing high balls. You know, he's looking for something a little bit more uh, adventurous. But on the other hand, he, he denies that and says, no, the basics come absolutely first. I think there's a problem with France. I think there has been a general hangover from the World Cup. They put on a great show, not on the field for themselves, but off the field. They produced a magnificent World Cup, and I think everybody's just a little bit weary. And the standard of play at club level has been very poor. There has been a disappointment. And, you know, something like 1.5 tries per game in the French Championship for a few months after the World Cup, and it, it struggled to get going again. And then Marc Lievremont comes along, and he makes widespread changes, and he brings in a lot of young players, people from you know the lesser-known clubs. You know, who is going to play well? And... I think there is enough doubt to make it clear that they'll stutter at the start of the championship. And I, I expect Scotland, who, who were going the other way, to beat them. It's funny, isn't it? I thought that this morning, and then um, I saw Chris Passon was on the bench, and um, I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe not. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how um, Lièvremont has picked um, an uncapped fly half um, from Montpellier, François Trinduc. Um, and I'm really excited to see how he's going to play. He's only played 16 or so times at fly half, but he's supposed to be extremely talented. You know, he's playing outside Elisald, inside um, Fritz and uh, Trai. You know, I think that'll give him some support. So unless he gets munched by Jason White in the first minute, um, <laughs> you know, I think it'd be really good to see how he plays. Uh, Sebastian Chabal is uh, out. Mm. Does that surprise you, Andy? I think it surprises everyone, doesn't it? No? Oh, no, apparently <laughs> not. What are you muttering there? Claire? Well, I'm muttering to myself. I don't know. I don't think he's been playing... Um, 
you know, I, I just didn't think he added enough to. I know he's an impact player, but you know, I just didn't think he added enough to that French side in, in terms of what they were trying to achieve. And I don't think he's been playing particularly well anyway. Mm. Um, the confidence in the French camp after the disappointment of, of losing to uh, Argentina in the Rugby World Cup, and then going out to England of all people. What sort of style, Eddie? Will they play, in your opinion? You've talked about what Livermore has said. What do you actually think they will do? Well, I mean, the one thing that went right for them at the World Cup was was the, the game in Cardiff against the All Blacks. And so I suppose they'll try and get as close to that as they can, which was a, a game based very much on, on not giving in, you know, recovering from a shaky start and hanging on in there together getting the set piece working in, a, in, in, in periods when the opposition might be starting to tire, and then cutting loose. I mean, France just love a counter-attacking game. They're good on turnover possession. They will be solid at the set pieces. It's just, I don't know. I, I think there is, there is a hesitation throughout their side. I just don't think they quite know what they want and, and how they're going to achieve it. And Yeah, they've, they've got promising youngsters. And I think that the moment you start saying we're looking to invest in, in the World Cup of 2011 is the moment you almost surrender on the Six Nations of 2008. Yes, what can we expect then from Scotland finally? Andy, um, Frank Haddon, apart from the fact that he looks like Morrissey, he's still there. Uh, the squad's almost identical to that of the World Cup. Um, from what Eddie was saying, he feels they're going the other way when France might be going backwards, Scotland are definitely going forwards. What do you think? Yeah, I think Scotland are going to have a really good tournament, actually. I've got quite high, high hopes for them. Why? Uh, the gradual improvement we've seen. I mean, They got the wooden spoon in last year's tournament. They had a lot of very bad injuries at the time. And they came through that World Cup in a very solid fashion. It's funny, you say the squad is the same now. We actually saw a lot of uncapped players come into the training squad as well. Guys from Andy Robinson's Edinburgh who have come on massively in recent seasons since Robinson went there. Those guys aren't necessarily in the team, but we've also seen massive strength and depth in the back row as well, where they've just got so many phenomenally talented players to fit in there. Um, so, yeah, I think Scotland are actually going to surprise quite a few people. And if, it, if it's a tight championship, sorry, I think the kind of consistency they've got could actually get them up near the top of the table. And, Claire, what do you feel about Scotland's chances? You know, I, I know they had injuries last season. I thought I didn't think they would end up with the um, wooden spoon last season. And then when I saw them get thumped by Italy, I was just like, ugh. Um, great pack. Um, I'm surprised, like I said before, at the decision to leave Patterson on the bench. I do not rate Dan Parks at fly half. I'm sorry. Good player, but not good enough at that level. But I think they'll do okay. I think they'll finish mid-table. I can't think, see any better than do that. Do you think they'll beat France? Uh, I thought so until this morning. Changed in one day. Well, because I didn't see that um, Patterson was on the bench. Oh, I see. Andy? Yeah, I'm actually going to say they will. Not by much, but they will. Eddie, do you think Scotland can beat France or will beat France? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Good. Excellent. Well, we're all in agreement then. I think that sums it up. As far as the uh, Six Nations is concerned, it opens this weekend. We have two games on Saturday. The Ireland game against Italy is a two o'clock kickoff. England against Wales at Twickenham is a 4.30 kickoff. And then on Sunday, it's Scotland against France, which kicks off at three o'clock. Don't forget, you can always join in. If you don't agree with Andy's blogs particularly, you can uh, go to <laughs> blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. And thank you to all our guests today, to uh, the rugby league writer of The Guardian, Andy Wilson, and the former 
former England hooker Steve Thompson, who were with us earlier, to uh, the Guardian Unlimited website writer Andy Bull and the Guardian writer Claire Tolley and, of course, to the Observer's rugby correspondent Eddie Butler. Do get in touch with us and we'll be on again uh, after the weekend when we'll be reviewing those first three matches in the Six Nations. I'm Ian Payne. I hope you can join us then. Six Nations Rugby from guardian.co.uk 